Welcome to Victory Church Winchester, Virginia's weekly podcast. Our desire is that you will find Victory a place to call home. Please take a moment to subscribe and share. Here is this week's message from our Sunday morning worship experience. Good morning. I love Victory Worship as well. And there's no better place to be than in the presence of the Lord. And worshiping, closing out worship and seeing everyone gather around the altars. It was a powerful time. I'm going to invite you back up at the end. <laughs> so thank you, Pastor Dave, for, for, for preparing them to, to come up. <laughs> All right, so it's always an honor to be here and speak with you uh, this morning. And welcome to those of you watching online that are not able to be here with us today. You know, I'm not great at introductions. I'm not great at transitions. It's always been a, a weak part, so I'm going to use this as a strength maybe in going into my message. I have German blood in me, and I just want to get to the point, right? And, and you know, in the, in the Middle East, it doesn't work that way. It's so relational. You know, for, I'll use a story when in one of the countries we lived in, uh, you know, our neighbors, they'd see us come home, like, oh, you know, Adam, Christy, so good to see you. Now, this is all in Arabic, of course, but we'll say it in English here. And they're like, it's so good to see you. You know, how's your family? How's your mom? How's your dad? How's your daughter? How's this? How's that? So forth, so on. And, and you know, we're going through all of that, the, the pleasantries and everything. And right when I think that it's time that I can get to what I want to say, there's a pause, that awkward pause. Oh, so good to see you. You know, it's, it's, been, it's been like two weeks since we've seen you, and we go through that again. And, you know, in, in some cultures, that might happen a third and a fourth time. And the next thing you know, an hour and a half later, you know, you're able to get to business. And the German blood in me is like, come on, how many times can I say that I'm good, I'm healthy, my family's great, we're, we're good, this, that, and I just want to get to the point, right? And so that's kind of the way that I function in my brain. I'm always thinking to the point. So, you know, if we're talking out somewhere and I jump straight to the point, just pull me aside and say, Adam, it's, it's okay. Let, let's talk relationally. Let's talk about family. Let's talk about, so you've got to reel me in sometimes. But since I have the microphone and I'm up here, I get to jump straight in, right? <laughs> but isn't that the beauty of cross-cultural living? You know, because if we all thought and acted the same way, life would be boring. And the fact that we have all these different ways of greetings, all these different ways of thinking, all these different ways of living, and is such a beautiful uh, aspect of life. So in all my travels, something I've noticed, I've noticed that people like to laugh, they like to cry. Oh, they don't like to cry, but they do cry. They, they express themselves in different ways. They like to play games. They like to play with animals. Kids will be kids. It doesn't matter. I've taught in America. I've taught overseas. Kids misbehave in both countries, all right, everywhere, right? And, you know, they enjoy recreational activities, and ultimately people desire to know the truth because they genuinely want to spend eternity in a better place. So for many people, when they hear missions, they think missionaries, they think money, they think prayer. They think of sharing the gospel, traveling to other countries, building projects, feeding the hungry, providing for the poor, and reaching unreached people groups. While all of these are a part of missions, few people think about all the people behind the scenes who are needed to make the work, to allow the work to move forward. So today, I want to focus on you, Victory Church, you corporately and individually as a church body. I want to focus on your role in helping the nations of this earth know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. 
So I have some questions for you to answer. I'm just going to go through these real quick. What does it mean to be a sending church? So what does it mean to be a church that sends global workers out? What is, where do you fit along that process? Is it only on the front end with finances? Is it along the way with continued support? Is it through prayer? Is it by sending ministry or support teams to people on the ground? Or is it by helping people to, helping to provide an assortment of needs for those involved in missions? I'd like you to look at this arrow. This is going to be my sermon illustration for the day. So, an arrow has a point on the end. I won't take the time to unscrew it, but if I unscrew the point of the arrow, and in Pennsylvania, tomorrow, or I think today, yesterday was the opening of deer season, all right? But uh, for rifle, not, not for bow and arrow. But if I were to unscrew this, this point and I throw it at an animal, what's going to happen? Nothing. Thank you. You're, co- you're, you're participating. You're listening. Thank you. All right, nothing. Nothing's going to happen at all. Why? Because there, there's, no, there's, there's nothing to, to push it there's nothing to push it through, right? There's, no really, there's really no momentum to push it through. The same idea of a tractor-trailer. You know, a tractor-trailer can't stop on a dime or a freight train can't stop if there's cars sitting on the track. But when you think about it, the equation is still true for missions. Our momentum in penetrating the darkness does depend on our support uh, and speed, the ability to move and mobilize resources moving forward to see the church planted. I'm not here to discount the power of prayer. We believe in it very strongly. We believe the Lord can move mountains. We believe the Lord can heal. The, you know, the, the lame will walk, the blind will see. We believe that. We don't discount that in any way, shape, or form. We believe in the power of Jesus. And, and, and we believe that through that same power of Jesus that all will have an opportunity to, to hear and know about Jesus. And those very same groups, so looking at unreached people groups all across the world that have no idea who Jesus is, we do believe that we'll begin to see a decrease in those groups. So I also believe that when we allow ourselves to be interconnected, to be led and guided and used, led, guided, and used by the Holy Spirit, I want to throw all those together, led, guided, and we allow ourselves to be used by the Holy Spirit, then we being e- we, being each of us and the Holy Spirit, become unstoppable. Now, as a science teacher, I never liked you know, I, formulas. We always had to teach them. Who likes formulas in here? Right? All right. I have a very simple formula that I love. All right. This is not about science. Well, maybe, sort of. But for the most part, thinking about you plus the Holy Spirit equals unstoppable. I mean, think about that. You... When you allow yourself to be led, guided, and used by the Holy Spirit, you become unstoppable. The Almighty God is working in and through you, guiding you, telling you what to do, telling you where to go to reach His people. You're unstoppable. Uh, That's one of my favorite formulas. When we commit to allowing the Holy Spirit to guide our thoughts, our, our actions, our words, our finances, our relationships, and everything else you can think of that He can help guide, He will use you to move those mountains. He will use you to build churches. He will use you to heal the sick. He will use you to boldly and effectively proclaim the gospel where it has not yet been heard. Amen? Okay. All right. Make sure you're still awake. Now let's come back to this arrow. So the tip of the arrow alone is, you know, it's not really going to do anything if you throw it. But let's look at the shaft here. Let's look at the entire arrow. This shaft is what I want you to understand today, all right? This shaft represents passion. 
It represents administration. It represents partnerships needed to advance the gospel forward, to penetrate unreached people groups, to plant the church where it does not exist. Mission so often looks at the point, all right? But today, my focus on you as a church is the shaft. When I think about, when I think about passions for, for missions, I think about God's desire for all men and women to know Jesus, or the burning desire in my heart to see all groups, both in Egypt and beyond, reached. The perseverance through the pains and sufferings and persecutions in order to see the gospel advanced. Count Zinzerdorf said, I have but one passion. It is he, it is he alone. The world is the field, and the field is the world. And henceforth, the country should be my home where I can be most used in winning souls for Christ. When I think about the administration needs of, to advance the gospel, I think about all the people behind the scenes that nobody knows about in order for us to succeed in what we do. I think about my leaders who are making critical decisions for our personal health, but also to help the church be planted. I think about the tech support, the programming, the child care for our daughter, the details with the IRS operating within local laws, keeping us out of prison when we come back into the country and, you know, scan our passports, staying within all the U.S. laws and foreign laws and, and administration plans, administration people, they plan, they organize, and they help control systems created and they help to keep us moving in the right direction so that we can have the maximum opportunity to see the church planted. You know, I also think about the church. I always think about, even if you want to stretch that out even farther, into worship, into ushers, into... Because if the church is thinking globally, and if you're looking at trying to plant the church in everything that you do, then everything that everyone does here is part of that as well. Everything that, you know, if you look through those lenses and, and what you do and say and practice and help within the church, that's to help send the gospel forward as well. And when I think about partnership, you know, as a church, you guys, I mean, you've been partnering with us since you've known Christy, and, you know, I married into it, and, but the partnership is huge. And, you know, you, the church, the people, you know, and the spiritual gifts and the talents the Lord has blessed you with is incredible. <clears throat> Remember, we are all part of one body. The foot may not, know, may not do what the hand does, but they are both part of one body. We read that in 2 Corinthians. Just as our bodies have many parts, so does the body of Christ, so does each of you. You each have a talent. You have different talents and giftings. Use them for the glory of God. Use them to see the church planted. For the remainder of this service, I want to focus on the partnership side of the shaft. I want to help you see that you have more to offer than just your prayers and just your finances. Both are very important, all right? But there's so much more to offer. People think, well, I pray and I give. That's it. Wrong. There's so much more to partnership. But I do want to start with finances because I think a lot of times finances sometimes are overlooked. Everybody has something to give. Everybody. And if you're sitting there thinking, well, I, you know, I'm on a fixed income or I don't get an allowance <laughs> or I get an allowance or everyone has something to give. You know, I, I see poor churches in Egypt that they say, we have nothing to give, but yet they have these giant building projects. Or, or I, I, look at, I look at, you know, the, the families. You know, we love our kids. We buy them snacks. You know, we buy them little, you know, chocolate croissants, the equivalent that might be like 25 cents. We in America, we love our Starbucks. We love Chick-fil-A. We love eating out. We love those different options, right? You know, even you've heard it a million times if we just give up one of those right? We all have something to give. If we get creative, we can fast a meal. We can, you know, there's ways to give financially to missions. 
All right, I'm not saying all these things. I'm not saying you have to give all these up completely. Just depending on how often you do it, just think about that. All right, when we read in the New Testament, we know Paul was a tent maker, but he was, but he was one by choice. He actually did not encourage missionaries to earn their own way. In fact, quite the opposite. He taught churches that they should financially support full-time servants of the gospel. People erroneously make the assumption Paul always supported his ministry by making tents. That was not his preferred method. Paul began by making tents, but he quit as soon as church support came in. For Paul, the concept of financial independence was apostolic. Authority, sorry, for Paul, the concept of financial inter... Ah, do that again. Start over, right? I also have this tremendous fear of speaking in front of people, but yet the Lord you know, uses us in creative ways to do creative things. So, so I believe... Anyway, so we'll just keep going. <laughs> for Paul, the concept of financial inter... In, of financial ah, independence and apostolic authority were interwoven. Yay! In Paul's quarrel with his detraction in Corinth... He argues in favor of the church supporting labors of the gospel. The Corinthian church was in a season of plenty. He explains to them that their financial blessing is not meant for them, but to share with other Christian laborers in need. Throughout his epistles, Paul clearly encourages the financial support of missionaries and pastors through the church. He instructs the Galatians in Galatians 6 that the church body is to financially support the teachers of the faith. He quotes the Gospels in Luke and Matthew 10, when in 1 Timothy he tells the church to allow his servants to eat. Paul thanks the church at Philippi for supporting him. Much of, <clears throat> much of Paul's letters to the Romans focus on financial supports of missions work. Paul asked the Roman church to financially support Phoebe and her work. Paul also sought the aid of the Roman church to fund his mission work in Spain. But much of Paul's writing was not focused on, on missionaries caring for, for their own financial need, but rather Paul's desire for the church to provide for missionaries. One more quick example of Jesus, thinking about it, Jesus came from a working carpenter's home that worked hard. However, he chose a life where he and his full-time followers were dependent on churches and or dependent on the contribution of those who support his mission. You know, Jesus instructed the disciples to rely on others while ministering. He repeated this in Luke 10 when he sent out the 70 believers, those he sent were not to provide for themselves. Now, why am, where am I sharing all this? I'm not sharing this with you with the goal that we're trying to raise more money. That's, that's not the point here. I'm sharing with, this with you as an encouragement that this is a biblical example. When people come asking and they're in need of support and, and resources, this is what the Lord has asked us to do. It's an encouragement to continue giving uh, financially, to continue sacrificially giving what you're already giving to see the church planted where it does not exist. In addition to giving something financial, we can also pray, right? Where are my prayer warriors in here? Raise your hand. One. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. There, there's many hands there. Okay, so I'm going to come back to this card at the end. But if you are a prayer warrior, I would encourage you at the end to point your smartphone and fill out the QR code. And this is just a way to, to pray for unreached people groups. And if you need help doing that, come see me after the service. But I'll come back to this card at the end. So you can be an intercessor, 
intercessory prayer for the worker, for the lost, for the new believers, those who are being persecuted, for unreached people groups in the area, for new believers, for the church. You can pray scripture over people, over projects, and the list just goes on and on. And, and you know, the Lord will give you uh, the ideas and drop those thoughts in your mind as to what we need prayer for. You can pray as a corporate body, as a church, as an individual. You can form a group together, uh, whether that's outside of church, in your home, or even in your workplace to pray. You know, people often ask me, well, how, do, how can we pray for you? How can we pray for the work? How can we pray for others? So, you know, looking through Acts 13 and Acts, thir- Acts 13 and 14, there are some great ways that you can pray. Starting at Acts 13, uh, you can pray that, that workers would be confident in God's word. You know, I'll share this is a weak point for me. Part of like, I stand up here behind, I, I want to read word for word because I have, I've always struggled with confidence in my life. I'm always afraid that I'm going to say the wrong thing or, or if I script it out and write it and say word for word that I'll get it exactly right. And when I go off the script, I, I'm, I'm less confident. I, that's where I get flustered. And so you can pray for people like me who greatly struggle with the fear of not getting it right to the point that sometimes I shut down. All right, so when I say pray, you know, pray that they would be confident in God's word, you can pray for me in that one. Pray that they would be filled with God's spirit, victory in spiritual warfare. Pray for their success in gospel witness, for peace in other believers, for favor with unbelievers. Pray that the gospel would be clear, that it would be communicated clear through them. Pray that God would open the hearts around them. Looking at Acts 14, pray that their joy in the midst of suffering. Pray for kindness in the midst of slander. Pray for supernatural prayer to accompany them. Pray for Christ-like humility to characterize them, for their patience, for their perseverance. Pray that God would use them to make disciples. Pray that God would use them to multiply churches. So the list goes on on how you can pray, just reading through Acts 13 and Acts 14. We know this, joining God on his mission will not be easy, but it is absolutely worth it. David Platt said, the synergy between the call of the Spirit and the powerful response of the church resulted in a supernatural spread of the gospel that continues to this day. Your prayers matter. Every single one of them, they matter. Your prayers help the gospel move forward. Your prayers will help build the church. Here are are some other ways that you can help send global workers outside of the financial and the prayer side. You know, I I met a, uh, a pastor's family a few weeks back and it, it just, it touched my heart. And they said, Adam, when you come through Kentucky, look us up. We want you just to spend, we want you guys, your family, to spend a week with us. We just want to love on you. You know, we know that you work hard. You know that you're planning services. We know all these different things and your stress levels are high. And, you know, you probably have PTSD to some degree through different traumatic, traumatic ex- uh, experiences and all these different things that we face overseas. And he said, just come, spend a week with us. We will put you up. We're going to, we'll show you some fun things to do. We'll even buy those tickets for you if you need. Just rest. You know, we want you to have rest. We want you to be able to be resilient. We want you to, to have a week of downtime so you can continue pushing forward. You know, just a simple idea, a simple thought on helping us. Sometimes if, if, you know, when we're home, it's easier for me, I'll speak to me personally, it's easier for me to stay inside and do nothing because the thought of having to plan is just a little bit over the top because I'm already so stressed. But having somebody come alongside and say, hey, we're, we're taking you out. We've planned the whole day. Just come. And sometimes we need that. We also need people to advocate for us. We need people to advocate, you know, the need for more prayer, for more workers, for more financial support, where uh, personal support, general support projects, so forth and so on. You know, Proverbs 31, speak up for those who, who cannot speak for themselves, for the, rights of the, for the rights of all who are 
destitute. Speak up and judge fairly. Defend the rights of the poor and needy. needy. Matthew 25, 40. The king will reply, Truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Galatians 6, 2. Carry each other's burdens and in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. Psalm 82, defend the weak and the fatherless. Uphold the cause of the poor, of the poor and oppressed. Some other ideas to help send out. I know this is kind of like a little, you're not used to maybe a sermon like this. I'm not getting as deep into scripture, but looking at as a partner church, I mean, you guys have been so great in support and partnership. I just want to be able to give you a few other ideas how you can continue sending out workers. And for those watching online as well, to help you. All right, so global workers, we, you know, we go through different levels of challenges. I'm not going to get into all of them. There's things that I'll just bawl my eyes out, you know, I'll sit here and cry relentlessly, and we see it all. And so looking at the need for counseling and debriefing. Now, I'm not up here to say that we're all a mess. That's not why I'm saying I, I am a mess, but <laughs> I'll speak for myself. I won't speak for Christy. But, <laughs> but in the last couple of decades, research has showed, has, has the research has reported that global workers have a higher than average levels of stressors, a greater exposure to traumatic events, and some may even suffer from PTSD. And so just looking at that is if you're in the counseling world or, or you're good at debriefing, you know, when workers come through offering simple services like that, or looking at cars, if you have cars that are just collecting dust and they're not getting driven and, you know, needing to, they need to be used, or if you're a CPA or some kind of accounting services or financial planning, website development, all of those ideas, those are all things that we use in what we do. Those can also be all ways that you can use to help send the work. You might sit here it's like, well, I don't have anything to give. That's not true. You know, even if you're giving financially, even if you're giving prayerfully, you can still help send and see the church planted by using the gifts that God has given you to, to see the church and to see the gospel move forward. And then, of course, we have our children. Children. I'll tell you what, Marissa captures my heart every time I see her. <laughs> and when we come home, you know, bless your heart. She says simple things like, happy Christmas, you know, and people are like, no, you mean Merry Christmas, right? And, but in our culture, that's a common phrase, happy Christmas. You know, there's some phrases that they use in other parts of the world for other objects that I won't use the example, but there's things that common words in British English, because there's a lot of British schools uh, where we live and a lot of British English, that our kids pick up terminology that is wildly not appropriate in the classroom here okay or in society or culture or even 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 looking at pop culture you know if you have a teenager you know what's new in pop culture today you know our kids you know when they're overseas for two three four years longer they're coming back to what they they're coming back to a different culture than what they left you know and maybe the culture that they're in is 10 years behind and they come back start talking about 10 years behind what happens in school they get laughed at right kids are brutal you know, simple ways on getting our kids caught up, getting kids caught up on clothing. What's the new trends? What are the new ways? You know, these are all ways to really help encourage the global work because we want to be resilient. We want to bounce back. We want to move forward. We want to continue on. And those are simple ways that the church can continue to help the gospel move forward by pouring into workers. All right, got off track just a little bit there. Psalm 145.4 says, May our children continue to stand in all of his work and that they will continue to declare the Lord's mighty acts. Marissa loves going up to people that don't look like her. She loves taking flowers. Mommy, I want to share Jesus with this person. Love it. 
We want her to continue doing that. And so we want to be able to provide as much as we can, well, you know, equip her for that purpose. And we need your help to do that. The Holy Spirit is so much more creative than I am. That's why these are, this is just a short list, just a few ideas to get you thinking on ways that, that you can continue helping the work go forward. When we keep our eyes and ears tuned into Jesus, and when we keep our focus on everything we do, on, on earth for missions, and we begin to see life as the Lord sees it. Though we're all created as individuals, we all need each other. As much as I'm standing up here, I need you, you need us. We all need each other for the collective good, to see the church planted where it does not exist. Let's work together, let's partner together, let's see the church planted together. John Piper said it well, that we are all goers or we're all senders. If we're doing neither, then we're disobedient to the call of God on our lives. Are you a goer or are you a sender? And there's no shame in saying that I don't think God has called me to go. I think God has called me to send. And we're going to rejoice with you because you know what? We can't go without you sending. And you can't send without us going. So it's a symbiotic relationship. It really is beautiful. And that's why it's an endless opportunities and ideas on how that really works moving forward. <clears throat> we're all called to go to all the nations to preach the gospel, and we are called to send people to all the nations. All right, we can share the gospel, and we can send. God knows your heart. Christy, you can come up. God knows your heart. He will use you in creative ways if you allow him to speak through you and to move in your life. He knows exactly who you are. He knows what, who, what, where, when, and why. You may not but he does. I love that. All we have to do is focus on Jesus. Amen. When we are joyfully obedient, when we see UPGs reached, not just in Egypt, but globally. When we look at everything we do through the lenses of Revelation 7-9, after this I saw a great multitude, too great to count, from every nation and tribe and people and language, standing in front of the throne and before the Lamb. They were clothed in white robes and held palm branches in their hands, and they were shouting with a great joy, salvation comes from our God who sits on the throne and from the Lamb. Everything we do, we look at eternity. Don't look here and now. Look in the lens of eternity. The giftings God has given you. The blessings he has given you how you use them. Look at eternity. This is why we are all called to give sacrificially in all ways, in finances, and time, and services, and in material items, and the list goes on. Both you and me, in all we do, we need to look at life through the lenses of eternity. We need to learn to see people as he sees them. We need to learn to say, here I am, Lord, use me. And I'm willing to give. And stand here, be willing to say, I'm willing to give what it takes and to go where is needed because of what the Bible says and not out of pressure, guilt, or shame. And say that again. I'm willing to give what it takes and to go wherever is needed because of what the Bible says and not out of pressure, guilt, or shame. I want people to stand firm and allow the Lord to use them no matter what the past was no matter what, the, what is to come and know what others may think of you. I want people to give to missions as the Lord leads them to give. I want them to trust the Lord with their finances and give because the Lord is telling them to give. 
Competition can be healthy. But at the end of the day, if somebody didn't give enough, I want it to be because they themselves knew that they did not give enough because of what the Lord spoke to them. I want them to give joyfully to what the Holy Spirit has prompted them to give. I don't want them to think, I did not, you know, I don't want them to look at a list and be like, oh, number one, this other person or this other church, this other organization was number one. I guess I didn't give enough. That's not what I want. I want them to be like, I didn't give enough because the Lord told me what to give and I didn't give enough. Because when we joyfully give what the Lord has called us to give, when we joyfully give, I don't think there'll be a need for competition. I think there's going to be so much generosity and joy and love because what I give, I can tell you that the joy that just comes out. He knows what we can do in and through each of us. He created you. He grows you. He communes with you. He prospers you. He loves you. He provides for you. So let's begin to trust that he knows what he was doing, both with his money and his time, or with his money that's in your bank accounts and your time. If all the people joyfully gave what the Lord wanted, this, I don't think fundraising would be a need, <laughs> really. I think, I think there'd be more money than people knew what to do with because of that generosity of giving. When you're involved in doing what the Lord is doing, He is the all-sufficient provider of the joy. He will lead you down the paths you never once dreamt or imagined because when you are in step with Him, nothing else compares. One of the best decisions I ever made was saying yes to allowing him to send me. He wants you to say, here I am, Lord. I will trust you with everything. I will trust you with what I do not have, what I do not know. And when we do this, we will begin to see revival. We will begin to see groups knowing Jesus. We'll begin to see the kingdom grow. Allow him to truly use you where you are today. When we are gathered around the throne in Revelation 7-9, we will see people worshiping because of your joyful obedience. Because of your, those of you sitting in this room, those of you listening online, people will be gathered around the throne because you said yes to what the Lord is asking. My goal today is for you to, joy, to be joyfully inspired to give all that you can to seeing the gospel advance and penetrate it to places that does not exist. I want you to give, to do, to go exactly how God has led you to give, to do, to go. I want you to joyfully obey what he is asking of you. A generous giving spirit is contagious. Success is not raising a certain amount of money or providing a certain number of services. Success is when we begin to see the number of UPGs, unreached people groups, decrease. Success is seeing the people groups gathered around the throne worshiping the Lord. Let's not let the number of, of, of the remaining lost people be how we, sorry, let's let the number of remaining lost people groups be how we measure success. What will it take? What are you willing to give? How important is it to you that people are reached for the gospel? How important to you is it to you to help take the gospel to places that does not exist? You know, you can raise $10 million and not a single soul is impacted. And that's a waste. But when you joyfully obey the Lord to give and go as he leads and to do and say as he asks, then entire kingdoms will come to know Jesus. Entire kingdoms.
I want to close with this bookmark. Pick up this bookmark. It's on your chair, sitting next to you. Grab your neighbors. Look at the faces on this bookmark. Look into their eyes. What do you see? What do you feel? I'll tell you, when I look at their faces, I'll tell you what I see. I see millions of moms and dads. Millions of sons and daughters. Millions of brothers and sisters who will spend eternity in darkness. Unless something is done differently. These are groups of people who do not know Jesus. These are groups of, Jesus, groups of people who have never had access to the gospel, have never had access to hearing the truth of who Jesus is. We are one body. We are one family. We have one mission. And I say we, we, collectively. Our one mission is to see every nation, every tribe, every people, and every language standing around the throne and before that lamb. We're in this together. What is the Lord asking you to do so that every nation tribe, people, and language has the opportunity to declare the name of Jesus as their Lord and Savior. As Christy begins to close, I want, you, I want to invite you back up to the altars. I want you to come up here. If you are truly willing to say, Lord, here I am. Use me. Send me. Speak to me. I want to hear from you. How do I use what you have given me to see the nations reached? How can I use the giftings? How can I use my business? How can I use uh, my time? Whatever that is, how can I be used to see the gospel move forward where it does not exist? And if you need prayer during that time, our prayer team will be up here as well. Please, come on up. Seek the Lord. Let's find out ways. Let's ask him for ways that we can see these groups reached. Success is seeing these groups reached. The altars are open.
Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. Our vision is that you would experience Victory Church as a place to call home. We do this by encountering God through worship, embracing community through relationship, and expanding the kingdom of God through service. Find out more about Victory at victorywinchester.com.